God bless us. God bless us. <laughs> God bless you. Hey, um, before I start, um, last week I made a comment. I, I think it was a, one of the services that I had fed lions, full-grown lions, by hand with custard and a spoon. And some people didn't believe me, so I said, next week I'm going to show proof. So I brought some, a picture for you to see that I was really grown, uh, feeding full-grown lions by hand. Uh, bam. There were, there were six full-grown lions in this pen, and they gave us custard. Uh, and it, anyway, that's it. So if you didn't believe me, there you go. There you go. Uh, the sad news is that that's in South Africa last October. I got a text message two weeks ago from the pastor there who didn't, he never went in in all his life because he was scared. And uh, believe me, the dude is a stud. Trust me, he, he's a rock, but he's, I'm not going in there. So after I went in, he went in. And uh, uh, he, he calls himself the true lion. That's his, his nickname. Um, but he texted me two weeks ago that those lions mauled somebody doing that just last two weeks ago. Um, his shoulder and the head. He didn't say the guy died, so I assume he's alive. But my wife was like, I told you you shouldn't have gone in there. <laughs> so thank you, Father, for I've sinned. <laughs> anyway, man, thank you, God. So... Let's pray. Let's get on our knees. If you're a visitor, we get on our knees. If you are a visitor, say amen. amen. God bless y'all. You can watch us online at sdrock.com every week, wherever you live. All the services are live online and you can also watch them during the week. So, Lord, thank you so much for being dad. You are the ultimate father. You are our example. And we praise you for that today. And we just thank you for getting us through all our problems in life, and I pray as we talk about suffering again today that you would encourage us. Uh, thank you for your patience in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's see your Bible. So on three, one, two, three, say word. Amen. One more time. One, two, three, say word. Amen. Very good. Let's turn to the book of Acts, A-C-T-S, Hechos. Acts chapter 9, the fifth book of the New Testament. Fifth book of the New Testament, right after the Gospels, is Acts. And some people call this the fifth gospel. The Acts of the Holy Spirit, not of the apostles. It's the Holy Spirit doing all the work. Amen. If anything happens good through you, it's God doing it. Acts chapter 9. I have uh, two brothers and two sisters, and one of my brothers is a, a Heisman runner-up football player, Syracuse University, 1987. I have a brother who was a ninth-ranked rank boxer, ninth in the world. And when he would box, if you watch from the seats, you couldn't really see what was really happening to his face until after the fight and we went up real close. And my brother's a lot lighter than I am. Um, well, I don't know a lot. I don't know how much, lot, how much lighter you can be, but he was lighter than I was. And after the fight, you could see all the marks on his face that you couldn't see from a distance. And it was evidence that he was in a fight. Matter of fact, we, we may have another fighter in my family. I just had a grandson three and a half weeks ago. And uh, now, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to show you, he, he had his boxing stance. He's been crawling, talking, walking. Now he's boxing. So check out this. Bam. 
<laughs> I, no, we didn't do that. I just, my, my son sent me that picture. I'm like, the brother's like, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> his name was Miles. His name was Miles. That's two. Third Miles. So he's, that's his sermon right there. He was writing a sermon <laughs> for his ministry. He has a ministry, international, global ministry online. So anyway. So anyway, uh, uh, my, whenever you see a, uh, a, my brother get in a fight, he would have all these marks on his face. You know, as we continue this series uh, called uh, Kingdom, Kingdom Come, we've been talking about the fact that we are citizens of heaven. And when you're citizens of heaven, you live by a different set of rules. You don't live by the rules of this world. You live by the rules of heaven. And some of those rules apply to how you deal with trials. Trials come from... A lot of different things. Trials will be defined as something happens in your life you don't like. And bad things happen in your life because, one, the world is evil and things just happen. People do stuff. Sometimes things that happen in your life because you just messed up. And sometimes you're going through a trial because you are losing a fight with God. Some of you are fighting with God. He's trying to get you to do something. And you're getting your butt kicked. <laughs> He's saying, no, I'm not doing it your way. You know, someone once told me that when you are wealthy, money doesn't ruin you. It just gives you the opportunity to be what you already are. And when you see people be knuckleheads because they got money, it wasn't the money. They just now have the freedom to be the knucklehead they always were. Money doesn't have to ruin you, by the way. It just does for some people. And just like money doesn't ruin, doesn't have to ruin you, trials and pain doesn't have to ruin you, but it can make you the person you're supposed to be. And in the story we're going to look at, it's the conversion of the Apostle Paul, probably the most, one of the most uh, influential believers ever. And he's going to go through a trial where he's going to encounter God. He's going to get knocked to the ground. He's going to be blind. And if that traumatic experience is going to convert him into what he was supposed to be. And as you listen to this message, I want to challenge you that maybe you're fighting God. It's maybe it's time for you to say, God, what do you want me to do? I give up. Everyone say, I give up. <laughs> say, God, what do you want me to do? That's all God wants you to say to him. Stop fighting him. Now, Paul was a Jew. He was a Pharisee. Pharisee meant separated one. He was a very strict by the law, Old Testament law, rabbi. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin was one of the 12 sons of Israel. And all the Jews come from one of the 12 tribes. His name is Saul. One of the most famous Benjamites was King Saul. This is the apostle Saul or the, the Pharisee Saul. And so he was a very, very strict Jew taught by one of the best rabbis in the world, Gamaliel. And he was very strict by the book. And he was persecuting Christians. So Saul was overseeing the first Christian martyr, Stephen, who was stoned to death. Saul was overseeing that. And he was doing it out of zeal for his Judaism. And he's on his way to Damascus with letters from the high priest. He had authority to arrest Christians and bring them back to Jerusalem for trial. So he's on his way to arrest Christians and he's going to encounter God and he's going to go through a trial. But in the midst of this trial, he's going to have to make a decision. Do I continue to fight God or do I continue to do, do I, do I finally say, Lord, what do you want me to do? So I want to encourage all of you, there's, some, there's two groups of you. Some of y'all are Christian already. Still, God wants you to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? 
Still, you, you, you pray to prayer, maybe you're doing some things that God wants you to do, but there may be some things God's saying, I want you to do that too. And then there's other you in here, you've never given your life to Christ, you've never surrendered, you've been kind of going through the motions trying to fool people, fool God, and it's time for you to say, God, really, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do that. Okay? Uh, Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. It says, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. Now, let's clarify, Saul is a Jewish rabbi. He's going to get Christians. He's not an apostle yet. And he is threatening them to arrest them. In verse 2, he asked letters from Asked letters from him to the synagogue of, uh, let's start over verse 1. Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from the high priest to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way or Christianity, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. He would tie them up and take them, handcuff them up. Verse 3, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly a, a light shone or shined around him from heaven. <laughs> and he fell to the ground and heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Does that sound like God to you? Yes or no? No? Let me tell you what God sounds like. Now, for real, you need to know what God sounds like so when you hear him, you know. It's not James Earl Jones. <laughs> Elijah was uh, in, a, in, a, in a mountain, right in the cleft of a rock, like a cave, and God was going to pass by. And there was a great earthquake, and it said God wasn't in the earthquake. Then there was a great wind. God wasn't in the wind. Then there was fire. God wasn't in the fire. Earth, wind, and fire. Just throw, throw that in there for a minute. This, this is a real story. I'm telling you the truth. But I'm just, you know. That was the reason he wasn't there. Let's just do a little, a little uh, vote. How many of you do not know the song Reasons by Earth, Wind, and Fire? Oh, my, oh my gosh. Forgive them, Father, for they have sinned. <laughs> you got to Google reasons. This is one of the greatest love songs ever. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Okay. So it's like 90 years old. Um, but the Bible says that God, then there was a small, still voice. You will hear small, still voices in your head that sound like your conscience telling you to do something biblical. That's God. That's God. You're going to hear it in your head. You, you probably will never hear a voice from outside of your ear. It's just a small, still voice in your heart. And it's going to tell you something like, um, I heard you need to leave that job and you need to go start a church. Okay. Now, by that time, I had heard that voice many times. Where do you want me to start the church? NTC. I said, Lord, it's the government's property. Me. God said, I know people. <laughs> it's for real. It's in his own way, he said, I know people. 
And guess what? They shut the base down and gave it to the city for $1 and here we are. My point is that you're going to hear voices and it'll never disagree with this. So if you hear a voice say, hey, you need to rob the bank. That's not God. <laughs> you know, people say they heard voice, I'm supposed to kill this person. That's not God. It's got to agree with the word. It's going to agree with God's call in your life. It's going to agree with what God's doing in your life. And, and sometimes you may not get it because you may not know that God's doing that in your life yet. But it's always going to be biblical. And so here's Saul and he hears this voice. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Say Saul, Saul. Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? Saul was arresting Christians. Jesus said, that is me. Christians are the body of Christ. So if you attack Christians, you're attacking Christ. You want to be real careful who you talk about. <laughs> you want to be real careful who you lie about. Be careful. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Verse 5, it says, who are you, Lord? I, you know, whenever I read that, I think of Saul saying, nobody can knock me to the ground except God. It better be God because whoever knocked me to the ground. Now, by the way, um, uh, knocked to the ground doesn't mean that Jesus pushed him over. I don't know if you've ever seen people get prayed for and they fall on the ground. Okay. And, and some of you may think that's fake. Uh, some of you may think that's you know, and I would imagine sometimes I guess it could be fake. Uh, it's not fake. If you were to see God or having a powerful encounter with God, your, every cell in your body is going to bow. And when every cell in your body bows, you end up finding yourself sometimes on the floor. <laughs> we call it a Holy Spirit meltdown. I had this happen to me. When someone prayed for me and I found myself on the floor. Okay. And, and, and it's all throughout the Bible, by the way. In Daniel chapter 8 and Daniel chapter 10, Daniel talks about falling, on the, falling like a dead man. He was trembling for days, sick for days because he had an encounter with God. In John chapter uh, 16, 16 uh, when Jesus revealed himself to the uh, soldiers that were arresting him, they all fell over when he revealed himself to them. In Matthew chapter 28, when the soldiers were protecting the tomb where Jesus was buried and they saw an angel, the Bible says they, felt, they shook for fear and they fell over like dead men. In John chapter 1 verse 17, when John saw the Lord in a vision, when he wrote the book of Revelation, the Bible says he fell over like a dead man. So when you see it happening, don't mock it as, oh, that's a cult. Oh, that's what, no, it's very real. Again, I've had it happen to me. And I pray for people and see it happen to them. It's when, you're, when you just say, you surrender. And when I was 19 years old, the Lord appeared to me. I was laying in the bed and the Lord appeared in the room. He just visually appeared right in front of me and I could not move. I was frozen like a dead man. And I tried, I had a sheet, just a sheet. I mean, if I had five blankets, I could still move them up. I had just a sheet and I tried to move my arms and, and to get up, I, I could not move. I tried to sweat. My pores opened up and the sweat said, I ain't coming out there. <laughs> it's a for real story, for real story. <laughs> I could not speak. 
So when you, when, you, when you read in the Bible, it's all throughout the Bible, Old New Testament, people falling over, fainting. Uh, we've poisoned it to say slain the spirit. Unfortunately, that has a bad rap. But people just falling over like a dead man out of, out of respect and awe. You will not, when you see God, you will not say, hey, what's up, God? You, you ain't. You how many of you have ever seen, how many of you have ever been in the presence of someone really famous before? Not a lot of y'all, huh? Yes. <laughs> okay, when you are, I want you to monitor how you respond, how you feel. You probably will not be your calm self. Multiply that time 8,000 million times. It says here, verse 5, he said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Uh, by the way, uh, Saul, you thought I was dead. Saul thinks Jesus is dead. He's a Jew, he don't believe, he's dead. He says, it is hard for you to kick against the goads or cactus. In other words, Saul, you can't fight me and win. So Saul, trembling, he's on the ground trembling. Imagine what that looks like. He's on the ground trembling and astonished and says, and here's the quote of the message, Lord, what do you want me to do? Everybody say, Lord. Lord. Right, right here, right here. <laughs> say, Lord. What do you want me to do? That's all God wants to hear you say. For your whole life. Lord, what do you want me to do? The Bible says the greatest commandment is to love God with your heart, mind, and soul. The greatest thing you could ever do every day, every second is to love God. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 3, the definition of loving God means to obey God. That's what loving God means. It has nothing to do with what you feel. Loving God doesn't mean feel good about God. That's not what that means at all. You could feel good about it, but you don't have to. doesn't mean you got to do what you, it's like when your mother tells you to go to bed when you're a little kid. For us, it was Sunday night right after um, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, Disney. How many of y'all old people remember Disney, right? And then a little, little, little um, twinkle bell, the little thing. What's the, what's the, tinker, she would fly down and go ding. And then I was always mad because right at that we had to go to bed. I didn't want to go to bed. It was Sunday night. I had to go to school the next day. I hated that moment. Mom, every week, every week, can we stay up long? No, you got to go to bed. Oh, we got to go upstairs and go to bed. Remember that, Margaret? Remember that? Hey, you know what? We did it. Why? Because if we didn't do it, we were going to get a whooping. There was no child protective services in our neighborhood. We got whoopings. <laughs> Loving God means obey God. Lord, what do you want me to do? You want me to date that person? You have any idea how much drama you could save yourself if you would ask that question three months ago? <laughs> Five years ago, whatever. Uh, Lord, do you want me to go to that church? You should go to church here because you feel God wants you here. Not because of anything else. Why? Because if you go here for some other reason, Sooner or later, that reason is going to run out and you're going to be bitter. And you're going to take it out on bitterness on everything here and we don't want it. Not for real. For real. And go someplace else. There's a thousand churches in San Diego. You should be happy. And we want to be happy too. <laughs> no, you, you get what I'm saying? Sometimes you're like in a relationship and you don't need to be in a relationship. You should say, Lord, what do you want me to be? If, you, if God wants you at another church, you should be there. 
But if God wants you here, you need to be here and not be grumbling either way. Amen? God, do you want me to date that person? Do you want me to marry that person? Do you want me to do that job? Do you want me to pray? Do you want me to get up in the morning? Do you want me to get in a small group? Do you want me to serve? Do you want me to tithe? Do you want me to give? And, and you need to say, God, whatever you say, I'll do. Lord, what do you want me to do? Some of y'all who are Christian, you already know all what God wants you to do. And you're hearing it all the time and God's been talking to you and you've been in your own way doing it or fighting him. And then there's some of you who've never asked Christ, you've never given your life to God. Because you're doing it your way, you're fighting God, and you're going to lose. Now, what does lose mean? Lose doesn't mean you will eventually do what he says. Lose means that in the end, he is going to be right. And that means if you die having given him the Heisman your whole life, you end up in a place where you will never hear about God again. The Bible calls that hell. By the way, hell was not created for you. It was created for the devil. Hell was not created for people. It was created for the devil. Matthew 25, you can read it for yourself. There's a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth created for the devil. And anybody else who wants to go, you don't want to go there. It's not some place you can go visit. <laughs> well, yeah, let me go down this for six days. We'll take a six-day vacation. See, if we like it, we'll buy a house. <laughs> Once you're there, you're stuck. And so, Lord, what do you want me to do? Everyone say, Lord, what do you want me to do? This is God's desire to hear you say that. And then when he tells you what to do, you say, you swallow and you go, okay. Sometimes what he's going to ask you to do is going to be hard. But if you trust him, you'll be able to get it done. Look what it says. Then the Lord said to him, uh, Saul, arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. In other words, I'm not going to tell you everything. Just step one. This is what it's called to walk by faith. How many of you have to, before you do something, you have to know all the answers and everything organized and everything lined up. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. God made you that way. How many of y'all like that? Okay. And how many of y'all like, all right, I'm just, I'll figure it out when I get there. <laughs> let, me, let me say it this way. How many of you, when you get, buy something at Ikea, which I've never been to Ikea in my life. I see it. I've never been there. And for all you shoppers, yes, I've never been in Ikea in my life. And I probably will never go to Ikea. <laughs> but if you buy, nothing wrong with it. I just have no reason to go. I have peoples, like my wife, she'll go. She don't even like Ikea. But you imagine if you go to Ikea and you buy this like desk and it, and it has directions to put it together. How many of y'all do not read directions, you just start putting it together? <laughs> Say amen, fellas, amen. amen. How many of y'all got to read all the directions first? Very good, okay. There's nothing wrong with y'all, nothing wrong with y'all. There's just us, we can't do it that way. It takes too long. <laughs> when you walk by faith, you're not going to get all the directions. It's just not going to happen. God's not going to tell you. And that's why it's difficult for some. So he takes people like us who don't need the directions to kind of go first. And then say, okay, here's how it works. Okay. Doesn't, not we don't always have to go first, but usually we're the kind of guys, okay, we'll just buy that building. Well, do you have any money? No, we don't have the money, but we'll get it. Just give us the building. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. <laughs> So, really. But it worked. It worked. It said, verse 7, the men who journeyed with Saul stood speechless, hearing a voice and seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus, and he was three days without sight and never ate or drank. Here's Saul, powerful man, 
Pharisee getting ready to arrest Christians. He's got authority in his hand to arrest Christians. And all of a sudden, God says, what are you doing? What do you think you're doing? He's on the ground shaking, however that looked, but on the ground shaking looks like that to me. <laughs> he gets up and he can't see. And he says, Lord, is that you? He says, yeah, I want you to go and, and they'll tell you what to do. What's he going to do? And he's got to be led like this. He's blind. Imagine what was going through his head. I just killed a guy, Stephen. Jesus is real. All what they said is true. All what I believed is not the whole story. Not that the Old Testament's wrong. It just wasn't the whole story. It was the foundation of the story. Imagine what's going through his head. And he's going to Damascus. And he's going to a place where he was going to arrest people. Now he's going to be subject to those people. And he, three days, God said, you got three days to think about it. And he's blind, not knowing if he's ever going to see again. God did all that. Why? God said, I'm going to reveal myself to you in a way you are not going to deny. I'm in control, Saul, not you. Oh, by the way, you don't want to fight God like the, and lose. It's not a threat. It's just a reality that you're not the strongest that God is. We just always be reminded of that. Verse 10. There was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. Everyone say Anna. Anna. Say Ananias. 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 And to him the Lord said, Ananias. He said, here I am, Lord. Arise, go to a street called Straight. Ain't that ironic? Straighten Saul out. And inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. What, 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 what? So Saul's over there praying and going, you know, praying, God, give my sight back, give my life, all the stuff. And he sees in a vision in his prayer, God says, Ananias is going to come lay his hands on you and you're going to see again. Now, he's like, now I can't speak for Saul, but I wonder if he ever had God speak to him like that. He's a Jew. I wonder if he had a head encounter with the, with, with, the, with the Lord like that. At the same time, Ananias is over here and God's telling him in a vision I want you to go over there. He's waiting for you to come lay hands on him. By the way, when you lay hands on somebody, which is a very biblical thing, Old and New Testament, Moses laid hand on Joshua, uh, 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 Paul laid hand on Timothy, the elders laid hand on Timothy, and they stirred up the gift and gave him his gift through laying on of hands. Your hands represents God's hands touching somebody. That's what that means. It's a very biblical thing to do. And when you pray for someone, it's very biblical to lay hands. And if you lay hands on someone you don't know, ask them permission and put it somewhere very innocent like shoulders. Are you following me? Okay, ask permission. Can I, can, I, can I touch your shoulder? Can I touch your wrist or whatever it is? Especially if you're going to pray for someone to be healed, you can touch where they're hurting as long as it's appropriate. But so he says, I want you to go and lay hands on him and he will receive his sight. He's also going to get filled with the Holy Spirit as we're going to see in a minute. And it says in verse 13, And Ananias said, Lord, I have heard many things about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on his name. God, do you know who this guy is? Everybody say, duh. duh. Anytime you talk to God, just assume he knows everything. Hey, God, do you know this is a bad guy? You want me to pray for him? I don't understand. And Ananias, of course I know him. The Lord said, 
Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings and children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Uh, don't have a question, God. Now, you can ask God questions. But God is always right. How many of you have given your life to Christ? Raise your hand. Okay, put your hands down. How many of you were really messed up before God gave you your life to Christ? <laughs> How many of you, after you gave your life to Christ, had somebody in your life at least one time go, you? <laughs> They're like, you? Now, if no one's ever said it to you, I don't know why, but it could be that either you were so good before, there's no difference. <laughs> like, you're just so good, you just couldn't have gotten any better. I doubt that's true. So it's either that, <laughs> for whatever reason. That people in your life said, I never thought you would get saved. I know I've had that. All my, my cocaine buddies are either here or saved somewhere else. Most of the people I did cocaine with on a regular basis are either saved and, and a bunch of them go to church here. Who would ever thought that? You never want to, never want to say that person will never get saved or that person. Or assume that God doesn't have an amazing plan for somebody else. Because of what you see in their life. Saul did a million times more than Ananias. Who's Ananias? He's just an instrument. Huh, that's cool. That's a cool story right there. The guy who prayed for Saul. And look what it says. Ananias, verse 17, went his way and entered the house, laying his hands on him. And he said, Brother Saul. Everyone say, Brother Saul. It doesn't appear that Ananias went, yo, man, yo, God wants me to pray for you, so uh, let me get this over with. <laughs> he said, Brother Saul, I already got the endorsement from God, me and you are brothers. If, you ra if, you, if you've given your life to Christ before, at some point in your life, raise your hand and keep your hand up on all campuses. Keep your hand up. All those people with their hands up are your brothers and sisters. You got a messed up family. How many of us got drama in our family? <laughs> you just got a whole lot more drama added. Uh, no. For reals though, all of us are brothers and sisters in the Lord. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came, he has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, I said to God a long time ago, Lord, what do you want me to do? And that has been my life. So I'm doing what God tells me to do. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. And he had received food, and he was strengthened, and Saul spent some days with the disciples in Damascus. There's two groups of people in here. Those who have asked Christ to be Savior and those who haven't. And in both groups, there are people, most likely, who need to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? For all you who have asked Christ to be your Savior, there's something God wants you to do with your salvation. Paul says in Philippians to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't mean to work to get your salvation. It means to exercise or work out like in a gym the salvation that you have. Use it. Pay it forward. 
He didn't give it to you only for you. He gave it to you for the kingdom of God. You are part of the body. You are a hand, you are an eye, you are a nose, you are a mouth in the body of Christ. And God needs to use you so the body works. One of the reasons churches can't do all that God called them to do is because all the parts aren't working. All the parts aren't serving. All the parts aren't teaching. All the parts aren't giving. All the deficiencies in the church because the body's not working. Work out your salvation. Tell God, God, what do you want me to do? And some of you have issues in your life because you're not doing what God called you to do. You're doing what you want to do. And then there's some of you who never asked Christ to be your Savior. You're kind of on the fringe outside. You're looking from the outside in, thinking, well, I don't know if I want this or whatever, whatever, but your life is a mess. In the least, you're separated from God. You could be healthy, have no problems as you know it, except your relationship with God. And you're on the road to destruction which is very wide and many go that way. You need to say to God, God, what do you want me to do? The first thing he wants you to do is repent and believe. Lord, I want to give my life to you. I want to do what you want me to do. So in a minute we're going to pray. And I want you to think, Lord, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to give my life to you today? Well, I can tell you he does. He doesn't want you to risk another day of dying and being separated from God. Um, Ten, eight years ago, I can't remember how many years ago, I spoke at a, uh, a convention, a, uh, a national political convention. Actually, I didn't speak. I went to do a prayer. I had five minutes to speak and do the prayer. And before, I had to read a teleprompter. They had a, every word had to be measured. And they said, you can only say what's on the teleprompter. So I had to write it out. And then they, I had to practice in this little room with a speech coach on how to speak for two minutes and pray for two minutes. It took me two hours. I'm like, I do this all the time. Said, no, 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 we, we, need to, we need to get this, make sure you're ready. I said, I'm ready. So I go in this room and this lady, she was great, she was amazing. Rudy Giuliani was in the next room doing with his speech coach, or her husband, the lady that was teaching me. And she had a teleprompter, we were practicing. It took me two hours. And one of the, one of the most, because I had to read it. And if you, when you have a teleprompter and you're reading it, the faster you talk, the faster the teleprompter goes, the faster you, and it just speeds up and you just, ah, and you try to catch the words. So you had, she had to teach me all that. Have you ever seen the president, they have two plexiglass things here? That, that's the teleprompter. The words are down here being shined up on it, and they get, it's a 45-degree angle. It's pretty cool how it works. So I'm, I'm practicing, practicing, and I am a machine gun speaker. I'm a lot less machine gun now than I was. But back then, I was like one continuous word. So she's like, you need to slow down. I mean, that's the one thing she kept saying to me, slow down. I was like, I, I, I don't like slowing down. You need to slow down. So her husband comes in. He's, he was the, you know, the real expert. Well, they were both experts, but he was a lot, in a lot longer than her. And, and he said, Miles? Your most powerful tool in speaking. And I'm like, teach me. I'm just, I got to hear this. What is this? He said, your most powerful tool is a pause. Silence. I was like, silence drives me crazy. I can't have silence. He goes, no, no. He says, Miles, when you look into the camera and you pause, you just pull the people into the camera. I was like, really? 
I said, I can't do that. Because <laughs> when there's silence, I go crazy. He goes, pause. <laughs> Honest to God, ever since that day, I've been practicing that. It is, now it's, I, I get it. It was so hard because I wanted to go, go, go. You know what God wants you to do? He wants you to say to him, God, what do you want me to do? And then pause. Let it marinate. Listen. Because in in, in, when you speak, there's a rhythm in the room. And if you go too fast, people can't breathe. And when you pause, you can even see people shifting their seat. It's like, okay, and then you got to let it marinate. We're going to pray in a minute, and we're going to pause for a second, and I want you to think. Do you need to say, God, what do you want me to do? Let's all bow our heads and pray. Lord, what do you want us to do? There are people in this room who need to give their life to you. There are people in this room who need to serve, who need to get in a a life group, one of our life small groups, who need to give financially, who need to get in a ministry. There are people in here who need prayer for their marriage, who need to start reading the Bible every day, praying every day. There are people here who need to surrender their whole life to you. Lord, what do you want us to do? If you are like Saul, and in some area of your life you've been fighting God, and you're ready to say, God, what do you want me to do? I don't want to fight you anymore. I want you to pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. If you are like Saul, and you're ready to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. Pray, dear God, what do you want me to do? I don't want to fight anymore. I surrender my life to you. I surrender my heart to you. I surrender my pain. I will do what you want, go where you want, be who you want. Thank you, God. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, no matter what campus you're in, you're watching online at one of our microsites, in a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand. If you prayed that prayer, what do you want me to do? We want to pray for you. We want to encourage you. So right now, eyes closed, heads bowed. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to stand up if you prayed that prayer. And if you prayed that prayer, you belong to him now. So on the count of three, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to stand up. One, two, three. Stand to your feet. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Stay standing. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Eyes closed, heads bowed. Eyes closed, heads bowed. God bless you. You can clap. Just keep your eyes closed, heads bowed. Stand to your feet. Anybody else? Stand to your feet. God bless you. God bless you. Very good. God bless you. 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 Now in a minute, we're going to ask all y'all to come to the altar. If you're in the balcony, all you got to do is turn around and walk up, and the ushers will bring you down. 
And while they do that, the rest of us, we're going to just encourage them. We're going to be like Ananias. We're going to encourage them. So right now, if you're standing up, come out of your seat, come on down to the altar, and let's give them a hand. Come on down. Amen. Let's walk out of your seat. Come on. God bless you. You're welcome. God bless you. Amen. 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 Say Jesus. God bless you. Stay right there. God bless you. Very good. Very good. God bless you. 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 Huh? Good, good. God bless you. I guess you. God bless 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 you. Hey, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Say Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You're welcome. God bless you. God bless you. Oh, oh, good. 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 She's got a knee healed. Knee healed. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Hey, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Let's give him a big hand. Come on, let's give him a big hand. Everybody say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Man, just do that. That's it. Just do that. Just do that. That, uh, They asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord God with your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. In those two commandments is the whole Bible. That's it. Just do, do what God says. Loving yourself means obeying God. Loving someone else means helping them obey God. It's a commitment not a feeling. You don't always feel it. You still got to do it. Lord, we thank you for all these people. We thank you for their courage to come forward and we pray you bless them and honor their courage and their faith. Lord, bless all the dads of all these people. Bless all the dads listening. Thank you for my dad. Thank you for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Take a right turn and walk this way. Let's get-